Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for February 13th, 2024. Hot inflation print could delay Fed easing. January's CPI report was just released, showing that month-over-month inflation rose more than expected. What's driving this increase? And how could this impact the Fed's decision to lower rates? This is Brian Kirk, and with us today to unpack the CPI report and provide their outlook for where things could go from here, we have Nationwide's Chief Economist, Kathy Bashchansik, and Financial Market Economist, Oren Klajkin. Hello, Kathy. Thank you for joining us today. Many economists were surprised by the increase in CPI. What was the biggest driver of this? And were there any segments that are seeing some relief? Well, thanks, Brian. You know, in contrast to what Fed officials were hoping to see, uh, we did see a faster rate of increase in uh, both headline and core CPI, which excludes food and energy for the month of January. So we, particularly looking at the core CPI, that popped four-tenths of a percent, and that's the largest monthly increase we've seen since April of of last year. And then if you look at the three-month annualized rate, that's a good way to see the momentum in inflation, but not necessarily having to go back a year ago, although that's very popular to look at as well. But the three-month annualized rate gives you a sense of the current momentum. And uh, there, unfortunately, we saw the three-month annualized rate rise from 33 to 4%. And that, in turn, is the fastest pace since we've seen since June of 2023. Now, if we look at the year-on-year rate, that remains steady at 39 So really, a lot of stickiness in the, the core inflation reading. And if you go into the, the details, what you see is it's really concentrated in the service side of the economy. And if we again focus in on core service inflation, that rose seven tenths in January. And that lifted the three month annualized rate from 4.8 to 6.2. Again, the fastest since you know March of 2023. And then underneath that, you will see that it's really shelter costs have really been the main propeller of this higher inflation, both of the core and the headline, shelter costs were up a very strong six-tenths of a percent. Now, we have been expecting that shelter costs will ease more significantly in the coming months, and we, we still think that's the case. But what you're seeing is rental inflation, especially the uh, what is called the owner's equivalent rent. That's a proxy for how much rent current home buyers could get if they rented at their home. There, the the uh, there's been a lot of stickiness there, and that is problematic because shelter costs comprises you know, more than forty percent of of overall inflation. But then we take it another layer lower because we're following the lead of Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, who sort of introduced this super core inflation measure, and basically it's the core services number excluding rent because again. By and large, most people think that rental inflation will eventually start to ease in a meaningful way. Then you want to look at, well, what's happening to service inflation elsewhere? And this measure jumped nine-tenths in January. That's the largest monthly increase since April of 2022. And, and that 
uh, increase the the three month annualized rate quite sharply from three four to six four. So a lot of numbers to, to to wrap your arms around with. But I think the bottom line here is just lots of stickiness in the service side of the economy. And that's not going to be welcomed by Fed officials, which we'll talk more about. The only real bright spot was that core goods inflation continued to decelerate. So what we saw is on the month it fell three tenths and the three month annualized rate uh, remained negative and actually became more negative. So we have actually have deflation over the last three months. And a lot of that uh, coming from the fact that used car prices uh, continued to pull back. They were down 3.4% in, in January, and new vehicle car prices were, were flat on the month. So in total, again, very good disinflation or deflationary readings in the, the goods sector. Service sector still remains problematic and, and elevated. Thank you, Kathy. Let's bring Oren in on this. Now, Oren, what are the downstream impacts on the overall economy and on investors if inflation remains hotter than expected. Sure. So th- the first point I would make here is that, to put it simply, hotter than expected inflation means that price pressures in the economy are not fading as fast as we had initially hoped. Uh, and then, of course, you know, uh, it means that the level of costs remains high. So to put it in a uh, different way, things are getting more expensive and the rate at which they are increasing isn't slowing as fast as we had hoped. For consumers, essentially what it means is that high inflation will test their willingness to spend, and it also will force them to reconsider essentially or rethink what and how much they will spend. Now, I should note actually that in a way, high prices are just evidence of the fact that the economy remains on a really strong path right now. So another way to look at inflation is to basically look at it through the context of consumer spending. Basically, prices would not be increasing if if consumers were not willing to go out and uh, spend. And so, and then of course, you know, what makes consumers think about going out to spend, well, that's really a function of their incomes. We all think about what we're going to spend based upon how much money we are earning. It's also in the context of um, savings and also in conjunction with a willingness to use credit cards, which in my mind goes back to basically a function of being whether or not incomes continue to increase or not. So another way to basically say it is that businesses could not increase costs if consumers were not willing to go out and spend. For us, we think that most of what basically underpins consumers' willingness to spend is income growth. And on that front, the numbers that we have gotten so far in early 2024 remain very encouraging. You know, if we look at just the latest numbers that we got earlier, which are the real average hourly earnings numbers, That is actually now increasing at the uh, strongest pace since the middle of 2023. So basically, the type of environment that we're in right now is that rising incomes are basically leading consumers to keep on spending. And then in turn, uh, corporates are feeling comfortable to increase costs because they're seeing no evidence that that consumers are are really starting to um, tamp down on their willingness to go out and spend. Now, while High inflation might seem at first like a good thing. 
really in the long run, it's actually not, right? We cannot basically continue to persist in this type of environment where inflation continues to increase. What we've learned from history is that high inflation usually does not end well for the economy. Another way to think about this is that high prices will then need wages to continue to increase at a strong pace for them consumers to continue to spend. Those higher prices will then lead consumers to go back and ask again for higher wages, in turn leading that cycle to continue. In economics, we call that a wage price uh, spiral. And again, based on history, we know that that doesn't end well for the economy. And this is one of the um, main reasons why the Fed is really so fixed to lower inflation down to the 2% target. Turning to the impact for financial markets, I would say that investors really look at the inflation numbers through the lens of what it means for the Fed and, and again, what it means for the path forward for rates. Again, to put it quite simply, hot inflation does increase the risk that uh, the first Fed rate cut might come a bit later in 2024 than we have been expecting. And also very importantly, I think, is that it might actually lessen the amount of policy rate cuts that we get before the end of 24. It also means that rates in the financial market might stay higher for um, longer as basically investors now have to, in other words, um, rethink their optimism about the economy, which is you know, a function of the fact that they had been thinking that rate cuts are basically uh, around the uh, corner. But with that hot inflation data, it means that maybe they're not coming as quickly as they had been expecting. And it also raises the question of whether indeed the economy is in the midst of a soft landing, as many investors currently have been um, expecting. Thank you, Oren. Let's go back to Kathy now. Kathy, another CPI report will be coming out just before the next FOMC meeting in March. And based on today's report from January, what are the odds of a rate cut happening then or later on after that? And what data would the Fed need to see between now and then? Yeah, all good questions. So today's CPI report was one of three monthly reports they would have received by the May first FOMC meeting. And that's when we had expected uh, the inflation data to give the green light to the Fed to start this cycle of rate cuts. Today's data came in in the way that it was running hotter. It does push back the likely the timing. You know, June is now looking more likely. In fact, I'm looking at uh, the bond market's uh, expectations right now. They've lowered uh, the, the odds of a, a rate cut by the May 1st meeting to about 42%. And if you look at June, June 12th is the, the meeting uh, date, there's uh, about 100%, more than 100% chance that we get a 25 basis point reduction then. So I think, you know, for now, you know, May is still possible, but it looks more likely that it could be June. But we, we also still get two more CPI prints. And we also get in the mix there, we'll get the PCE price data, which is really it's the PCE, the personal consumption expenditure price 
data, that's really what the Federal Reserve targets. There has been a little bit disconnect between the CPI and the PCE data. CPI has been running faster than the PCE. So we could be pleasantly surprised at the end of this month that maybe the PCE data looked better. So that's why I wouldn't completely take the the chances of a May rate cut off the table. But certainly today's data, you know, makes you think that, you know, a little later is is more likely. And we know that Fed officials would rather be late to cutting rates than to be early. You know, that's really their risk management process right now. And especially with the stickiness and in service inflation related to the tightness in the labor market and wage growth, that could get them to wait a, a, a bit longer. But, you know, to the point that Oren made, what's even more important, whether we're playing this game of whether it's May or June, is really the, the degree of the rate cuts throughout this year and even going into 2025. And and there we still remain, you know, optimistic that inflation is going to continue to trend lower. But it does suggest that maybe instead of getting the, the Fed funds rate down to four to four and a quarter, which was our forecast, of course, that also implied that we were going to get a, a pretty significant economic slowdown later this year. If that doesn't happen, if economic growth exceeds and inflation, then maybe we get something more like three 25 basis point rate cuts for this year. Um, so that I think that's probably even the more important takeaway is is the degree of of um, easing that the Fed Reserve can enact, not necessarily the exact you know timing when when they start to do that. Thank you, Kathy. Oren, how about you? Anything you want to add to that? Sure. So um, before the CPI numbers were released at eight thirty, markets were basically assigning about a seventy percent chance of a Fed rate cut in May. After the data came out, that fell quite sharply, and it's now down to basically 40%. So essentially what has happened is investors have basically pushed back when they think the rate cycle for cuts is going to start. They're still looking for the, I would say, overall the same amount of cuts, but we might not get the full extent of the easing that investors had hoped for before the CPI numbers came out. The inflation data is not a complete game changer for the Fed. I think the Fed has been pretty clear that they don't need to see inflation you know, continue to fall, right? We don't need to see lower and lower inflation readings. We just basically need to stay on a relatively encouraging path on the inflation front for them to be confident that they can indeed start to cut rates. The latest numbers don't offer us as much encouragement, but they don't completely change the overall picture. That if you if you take a step back, overall inflation is quite sharply down from where it was, for example, this time in 2023. And there is faith in there essentially that it should continue to um, slowly but surely fade as we move forward in 2024. But as the Fed has uh, said to us, they are watching the inflation numbers and any upturn in the inflation picture will give them pause and might push back the timing of the first rate cut. It also might push back when they stop taking liquidity out of the financial system. Uh, most investors know this as quantitative tightening. The Fed is, you know, as of right now, um, continuing to take out liquidity from the system. We don't see these inflation data by themselves, you know, changing the course of monetary policy on the quantitative tightening front. 
But again, it might force Fed policymakers to go back and think about when they want to essentially stop taking that liquidity out of the system. Well, thank you, Oren. Uh, this month is Valentine's Day, and many couples will be dining out, buying gifts, chocolates, and flowers. The cost of these things have gone up over time. In fact, a recent survey showed that a third of Americans in a relationship said that rising prices will force them to spend a half of what they spent last year. Now, these price increases are indicative of what's happening across other parts of the economy, not just chocolates and roses. But even if inflation eventually slows, Kathy, are higher prices here to stay? Or could consumers see any relief from lower prices down the road? Well, Brian, let me just jump in with a couple of things that are not so favorable for Valentine's Day, unfortunately. So I was looking at cocoa futures prices. So that's in the commodities market. And what we have seen just since kind of mid-January, there's been a sharp surge in, in the price of cocoa. It's up 40%. That will, what happens in the commodity market and the trading market, will eventually filter through to, to much higher chocolate prices and, and already probably has uh, pushed that up along with just kind of this general inflation environment we've been part of. So not so encouraging there. And then I was looking at this morning in the data, if you look at food prices, so the cost of food if you dine at home or food if, if, you, if you dine out, and the inflation rates are starkly different. And I should add that during like the pandemic, right after the pandemic, they were both rising very rapidly. And in fact, food at home was rising more quickly in like 2022 through early 2023, and food at home then being away. And I think it's because not as many of us were, were dining out, right? And because of COVID. But right now, unfortunately, the inflation rate, like from a year ago, prices, if you eat at home, are up just 1.2%. So that's a nice, quite a good slowdown. But the absolute price level, to your point, hasn't declined. It just means that we're getting slower increases in food items. But if you dine out, unfortunately, the inflation rate's 5.1%. So I think if you are going to partake in those activities tomorrow, you know, make sure that you either have the credit card or extra cash, because it is going to be going to be more expensive. I think really the the biggest item, and I'll just finish up on on this, is that uh, where we've seen outright price declines, it's really been in used car prices. They are down 18% from February of 2022. But if you look at used car and truck prices versus where they were pre-pandemic, so February 2020, they're up 31%. So yes, we've seen some drop over the last two years, but still up you know, over 30%. So I think, you know, that really kind of symbolizes well that overall price levels are much, much higher than they were, you know, going back four years ago. Thank you, Kathy. Oren, how about you? I guess I would just maybe take a step back and look at the overall picture and say that if you look at history, really the overall price level doesn't fall too much unless the economy does actually soften. And, and, and I think this actually goes back to my comments initially, which is it's important to think about inflation, of course, in the context of rate on rate changes, but also in terms of the level, right? So the rate of change might be slowing, but the level remains extremely high. 
again, unless there is a recession, as we are expecting for later in 2024, on a macro level, I don't think that there will be a significant fall in the price level from where we currently stand. And that's not to say that every facet of consumer spending will show this. Again, not to say that every component of what we go out and spend, whether it's a good or a service, is just going to have a permanently higher level of cost. But again, overall, we should see the price level remain relatively high overall. Thank you, Oren. And thank you, Kathy. It's been a great discussion on CPI. We really appreciate your thoughts and your outlook for the months ahead. Now, join us in our next episode as we focus in on the housing industry an area that would love to see interest rates start to come down again. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can receive notifications when each new episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2024, Nationwide.